A story still developing in North Dakota, the Keystone Pipeline leaking. And at the time we published this on Wednesday, the 30th of October, an unknown amount of oil in the area. At this point, they determined how much is and they have some idea of why it happened. But we're not going to focus on this. This story right outside of range of the numbers that you tell us to talk about. So what stories are we going to talk about? We'll tell you about the story that is at the very bottom. Of course, you didn't ask for it, but we do that as well. We tell you what stories are right outside of the range, 11 through 15. And of course, we kick things off with the numbers from 10 to 1. The stories that you told us were the most conversational for the week. And this comes down in this show. I'm Jake Levin Payne. This is the weekly wrap up show. For the week ending November the 2nd, 2019. And welcome to the podcast. As stated, I'm Jay Cleveland Payne. This show is called The Weekly Wrap-Up Show, brought to you by ThisIsConversation.com and The Conversation Project. Basically, two names are the same thing. And what it's all about is making sure we're having the best conversations we can about the best stories that are most conversational, not just the stories that get stuck in a headline news, breaking news, Chiron, all day long. And we get this done by honestly asking you to do the bulk of the work. We have social media accounts attached to our project. Go on Twitter. It is TH underscore conversation. And on Facebook and Instagram, look for this is the conversation. And of course, make sure we are a primary feed source for you in Facebook. Every 50 minutes or so throughout the day and all night long, we post a link to a news story from various different sources. Some of them you may love, some of them you may not like so much, some of them we're a bit suspect of, but they're all stories that are seemingly interesting via the headline and actually reading them, so read them as well. And we're asking for your input to tell us which stories are most important. As the stories come down your down your social media feed, as you're checking things out, just engage with them. Like them, love them, hate them, share them, read them, please. And the stories with the most engagement come into a big list at the end of the week. We take the Facebook and the Twitter numbers, put them in a spreadsheet, and weigh them out for an even number and get a raw score from top to bottom. The top, of course, is the number one story this week. The bottom for this week, 203. 203 distinct different postings, although we did have some super stories. We'll explain those in a bit as we get to them. Uh, But 203 different stories to post throughout the week that you responded to, and it's very simple to get in on it. Just respond to them and reply to them. Engage with them on social media. Email me with any questions, comments, and concerns at theconversationinbox at gmail.com. And, of course, check out this is a conversation.com and hit the link for this week's podcast for the week ending November the 2nd, 2019. All the links to every single story we talk about, including our teaser story about the Keystone Pipeline, will be at that link for deeper detail if you don't if you don't go deep into it based on the length of the story. Segment one, we'll do the top 10, Casey Kasem style, 10 to 1. Segment two, we'll do our shout outs and say hey to folks who showed us extra love this this week and of course this month as we talk about our patreon supporters this week we also will go to the almost relevant story of the week that's the story at the very bottom i'll explain why we call it almost relevant this one uh may be more relevant than you think and in the third segment we round out the top 15 stories that were almost in range and but not quite there with a quick update on why some of the stories that you think missed the countdown didn't quite make it into the top 10 So let's go ahead and get in with the countdown, starting off with story in the 10 spot. This is a story that freaked out a lot of movie lovers, especially since it also freaks out people who are afraid of the big mouse. That's Disney. Your headline for number 10, Disney is quietly placing classic Fox movies into its vault, and that's worrying. Vulture.com is your source for the story. We posted it to the world out there on Friday, 
the 25th of October. So this one did last quite a long time to stick it out, to stick around, around in the top 10. A few lines from the industry. That's the section of Vulture. Joe Neff knew there was trouble when the horror film started vanishing. Neff is the director of the 24-hour science fiction and horror marathons that happen every spring and fall at the Drexel Theater, an independent venue in California, or sorry, Columbus, Ohio. For this year's horror marathon, Neff wanted to screen the original 1976 version of The Omen, the 1986 remake of The Fly two of hundreds of older 20th Century Fox features that became the property of Walt Disney Corporation after the $71.3 billion purchase of the studio's parent company, 21st Century Fox, was made official this past spring. In the preceding few months, Neff had heard rumblings in the Google group of film programmers that Disney was about to start treating older Fox titles as they do older Disney titles, making them mostly unavailable to for-profit theaters. More and more, Film programmers and theater managers were reporting that they had suddenly and and cryptically been told that their studio context, that Fox back back catalog, was no longer available to show. Some got calls informing them that the extending booking, existing booking, had been revoked. So pardon me for those reads there, but as you go deeper into the story, you find out that Neff and many other people are finding out the hard way that Disney is putting the clamp down on older shows. And they're doing it because it's about money. Yes, it's about money. If you are in the business and of running a movie theater, you know that you have to basically rent the movie to play it to people and you have a extended period of time. You can play any movie you really want to as long as it's in the catalog and you can rent the tapes, if you will, rent the reels, if you will. Most of these things are now digital, but some of them are still way back reel to reel. It's how your local independent theater can show stories like White Christmas and It's a Wonderful Life, even though they are very limited on their screen time because they're in a catalog that can be paid for and people can pay to see those movies in those theaters. Fox is now having issues with Disney doing what it does to all its great movies. It locks them away so no one can see them for quite some time and only brings them out in various pieces. We'll see what happens as people realize what exactly is going on, whether Disney will probably not change its ways because they're Disney and they don't necessarily have to. This is something that's going to mean a lot for people who are looking for independent movies, especially older Fox movies now that Disney controls pretty much everything. Moving to the story at the number nine spot, here's your headline. Texas Rangers Hall of Famer Josh Hamilton accused of hitting throwing chair at daughter. We posted this one on Wednesday, the 30th of October. So a few days ago, uh, this one gets what we call a bump in response. I mean, more people responded to this story than the previous one at 10 by 14.73%. We're going to read you a few lines from this one to give you the context of what went down here. Our source was the Dallas Morning News' website. Former Texas Rangers outfielder Josh Hamilton was arrested Wednesday on a felony charge after being accused of hitting one of his daughters last month. Hamilton, 38, a Keller resident, turned himself into Tarrant County authorities on a single count of injury to a child. He was released about 3.15 p.m. after posting $35,000 bond. In a statement, Hamilton's attorney Daniel Lewis and Thomas Ashwood said that their client, quote, is innocent of the charge against him and looks forward to clearing his name in court, unquote. According to the arrest warrant affidavit, Keller police began investigating after one of Hamilton's three daughters with his ex-wife, Katie Hamilton, told her mother about an incident that took place in the morning of September 30th. The girl told authorities that Hamilton became upset about something she said and threw a full water bottle at her, hitting her in the chest 
while cursing and yelling. He then pulled a chair out from under her feet and tossed it at her before yanking her to the ground, the affidavit says. Hamilton then picked up the girl, threw her over his shoulder, and carried her to her bedroom as she yelled that she was sorry. The document says she said he threw her onto the bed, used one hand to pin down her head, and then started hitting her legs with his other hand. He later picked her up by her sweatshirt, causing it to rip, she said, and hit her on the back. According to the affidavit, after he stopped hitting the girl, he said, quote, I hope you go in front of the expletive judge and tell him what a terrible dad I am so I don't have to see you anymore. As I said, you can go deeper in these stories, all the stories we talk about, by going to thisisaconversation.com and clicking, or, and clicking on the link for this week's podcast. It's for the week ending November the 2nd, 2019. Uh, this is one you might want to read a little more into to see what's going on. And this is a definitely an issue where the family, even though their family at this point is broken, is having some problems. So we are doing our hopes and prayers and thoughts and prayers this time for the family that things get fixed and hopefully for the player, former player, Josh Hamilton, so that whatever is going on in his life, whether this happened just as David said or not, it's going to be cleared and be better for him. Moving on to the story at the number eight line today, it gets a headline that reads just like this. Restaurant fined $90,000 for giving women different menus when they dine with men. Lad Bible is our source for this one. The source for a lot of crazier ones, but you guys like this one a bit. We posted on Friday, the 25th of October as well. So another one that lasted the whole weekend, essentially. Uh, this one, believe it or not, 51.35% bump in response from the number nine story. That's how much you loved that one in comparison. So I'm going to give you the lowdown on this one. So you can decide for yourself what the dealio is. From Lad Bible. When you head out on date night, chances are you are wanting to leave all the humdrum of life at the door and enjoy an evening connecting with your partner. Whether you hit up cheap food stalls or an expensive restaurant, you're still mindful of what you're spending just in case you end up going way over budget. But imagine sitting down at a restaurant and not knowing what anything costs. That's what used to happen at a ritzy eatery in Lima, Peru. However, it's only appear, applied to women when they dined with men. According to Fox News, La Rosa Nautica in Miraflores used to give women a gold menu that didn't list the prices of any of the expensive dishes, while the men would be given a blue menu that explained what everything cost. The restaurant denied accusations that the practice was discriminatory to the Associated Press and defended its belief that the system allows its patrons, quote, to enjoy a romantic evening with their partner without taking into account the cost of the services. In the quote. However, authorities didn't see it that way. The National Institute for the Defense of Free Competition and the Protection of Intellectual Property, long name, challenged the practice and fined the restaurant $90,000. The agency said women should have access to the same list of dishes with prices included. That's actually a quote there as well. So what do you think about the practice? It might actually be something that's really cheeky and really something you use as a way to promote the restaurant because it does, it's, it's kind of silly but kind of, you know, romantic in a way and kind of a, a trendy-ish thing. Or it could be literally discrimination because the woman is seen as a lower person and the man is seen as the man who understands money. 
Talk to me in the emails. Email me at theconversationinbox at gmail.com and let me know what you think about this one or any story that we're talking about this week. Let's keep it moving, please. Moving to the seven story headline is Chris Jenner fires back at Black China in lawsuit over past assault allegations. This, as you can easily figure, is a page six affair, and we posted it to the world on Tuesday, the 29th of October, 2019. Of course, this one gets a bump in response from the eight story, just slight 3.13%. Here you go with a little bit of what's going on in the story featuring the mompreneur, momager, I have a hard time saying that one, uh, that's being the mama of the Kardashians and Black China, who's basically just ruined the world right now. Black China's lawsuit against the entire Kardashian-Jenner clan is still ongoing, but now Kris Jenner has fired back. China filed a lawsuit in 2017 against the family over claims of assault, battery, domestic violence, defamation, and interference with prospective economic relations. In legal documents obtained by the blast, the 63-year-old momager had requested China hand over all text messages and emails she that she sent to ex-fiance Rob Kardashian from December 1st, 2016 until present. Jenner is also requesting all contracts related to her son and China's now defunct reality show, Rob in China. China's lawsuit claims the Kardashian banded together to have the show canceled. They vehemently denied the allegations. She also wants the Lashade salon owner to Quote, describe each occasion on which you have been arrested or publicly accused of assault, battery, and or any other acts of physical violence against the persons from January 1, 2008 through the present. Per the blast. As China's lawsuit claims, Rob Kardashian, here's the quote from the lawsuit. Rob Kardashian is an abuser intent on destroying Angela White, the mother of his baby, who left him in 2016. In revenge, the Kardashian-Jenner family became media predators, slut-shaming her on social media and killing her hit television show, Rob in China, which had already been filming a second season. Her suit also claims Rob physically attacked her. China, 31, has also added executive producer Ryan Seacrest into the lawsuit, deposing him over his involvement with Robin China and the Kardashian family. The case is ongoing, though the Kardashians are hoping the lawsuit get thrown out. Read the full story there. Wasn't all that long, but it was a whole lot to go through. Are you fans of the Jenner Kardashians? Are you fans of Black China? You wonder why Kris Jenner is still Kris Jenner and not Kris something else. Talk to us about that one inside of all the social media or email us at theconversationinbox at gmail.com. Don't forget links to all these stories, even the ones I read all the way out are will be right there on the website so you can see all the details and the internal links, links to the documents and things they call for at the website. This is conversation.com. Click on the link for this week's podcast, which is, of course, week ending November the 2nd, 2019. Multi-level style marketing companies are controversial this one extremely controversial, but it's going to end its controversy by ending itself. Headline in number six spot, LuLaRoe is firing all of 167 employees at its warehouse after years of legal drama. BuzzFeed News is your source of this one, posted on Monday, the 28th of October. And we get a bump in response from the seven story of 2.16%. Here is a bit from the BuzzFeed. LuLaRoe, the controversial multi-level marketing company that has faced a barrage of lawsuits over the past few years, is laying off all 167 employees at its California warehouse. 
The embattled company announced its plans to cut the workers in an October 20 letter to the Employment Development Department of California, or the EDD. The company did so because state law dictates that employers inform the EDD and the affected employees 60 days before conducting a plant closing or mass layoff. Quotes with the last part. In the letter obtained by BuzzFeed News, Lou LaRoe said it will, quote, permanently lay off its warehouse for workforce, that's a quote, in Corona five days before Christmas. Every employee from the warehouse's maintenance engineer to forklift operators, drivers, those folks, will be affected. In a statement to BuzzFeed News, Lula Roe confirmed the warehouse will be permanently closed and the company's shipping operations will be moved to its distribution center in South Carolina. Here's another quote. Understanding the significant impact this decision would have in the lives of so many families and local community, the decision was not made lightly and was a sole effort to meet the immediate and long-term business and operational demands needed to continue pioneering in social retail industry. A spokesperson for Lou LaRoe said, spokesperson added that they connected the employees with staffing agencies, quote, knowing they will continue to succeed and shine on the road ahead, unquote. Okay, so here's the deal. Lou LaRoe, not quite dead, but they basically killed all the jobs, and I said killed on purpose, all the jobs in California at their warehouse. This is not necessarily good business practice, although if they expect to survive, it might be the only practice they have to go. As a business person and a, a, a MBA, people who studies businesses and how they work, sometimes you do have to cut some of the dead weight, trim the fat to keep the overall business going. And sometimes it's a way to pad the wallets of the people at the top because less employees mean more money going into the bonuses. How do you feel about this? Let's discuss this offline at the email or just check it out as you need to. Uh, These are some of the stories that you say are important. This one important enough for a number six spot. So you apparently care about the Lulu Row, although it's one that I would not have picked up on. This next story I would have picked up on, and it was something that really was big in my eye, and it was big enough for you guys to keep it at the number five spot this week. Your headline, Russian soldier kills eight colleagues in mass shooting at Siberian military base. CNN.com, our source, Friday, the 25th of October. So this one lasted quite a while as well. 2.12% more responsive than the number six story. A quick couple lines from CNN. We're going to try to do this really quickly to keep things moving. Eight Russian service members were killed in a shooting in the military space in Siberia on Friday, Russia's top law enforcement agency said in a statement. According to the statement from the investigative committee, a soldier allegedly opened fire on colleagues at a military garrison near the city of Chitta, killing two officers and six enlisted personnel. The suspect in the case, Private Ramil Shamsumdinov, is a member of Unit 54160, has been detained, the investigative committee said. According to the Russian Defense Ministry, the shooting occurred around 6.20 p.m. during a change in a guard shift. Eight service members were killed and two additional military personnel were injured and taken to the hospital. Their conditions not life-threatening, the ministry said. That's the bulk of the story. Basically, they they don't have a real reason for what happened, at least not in this one, not an update. So you can search for that online as well, or we can discuss this one offline any way you want to. Let's keep it moving, going to a story that's our first super story of the week. Two super stories. The quick explanation of what a super story is. We may post a headline that gets another headline, basically an update to the story, and to keep two stories from being said twice in the actual countdown, we put them together, add their numbers up, and tell you what the difference would have been. So instead of having a 
placing around at eight, we added two headlines to make this story move from eight to four. And they both happened on the exact same day. A headline posted within hours of each other. Tuesday, the 29th of October. Uh, this is the headline that is the heading, he, heading headline. NCAA to allow college athletes to be paid for their names, images, and likenesses. Axios is where we got this final thing, but it was big everywhere. Uh, this gets a bump of response from the number five story of 6.22%. The write-up the Axios is hard to read, despite apparently my inability to read anyway. So let me give you the breakdown of what happened. Earlier in the day, we posted a headline that was this. NCAA poised to move towards allowing athletes to make more money. Uh, AP News gave us that one fairly early, and Axios expanded on some of the ideas there on how they're going to do that. Essentially, a few weeks ago, California made a very big decision to say in a few years, they're going to pay their athletes. Their student athletes would still be student athletes, but they'd have some way to compensate them. And, and essentially, California said schools figure it out. The NCAA having an issue with this because if California could pay their players, it meant the other they had a big disadvantage. And the first thought was California would be essentially banned from NCAA competition. Coming down the line, NCAA decided they were going to do some moves. And the biggest move that they gave was to give players ability to make money off their names and their likenesses and their images. So if you go want to go back 20 years and go back to Ed O'Banion, he's essentially finally won his lawsuit, uh, which destroyed the NCAA line of uh, basketball and football video games, which were very popular at the time which took the likenesses of college players in college uniforms, but got around paying them by just putting down their number and not giving them a name. See how that goes. Now, going forward, that means a lot more things with the NCAA and the kids playing the sport, using their names on their jerseys to get money for their jerseys. We'll see exactly how this plays out. No one said how it's going on yet. And this is not a payment plan. The colleges will not pay the kids the NCAA will find a way to let their likenesses be used and get something. No one knows how something's going to work yet, but something's coming down the line. Do you think this is progress? Do you think this is regress? Email us at theconversationinbox at gmail.com and let's discuss it. You can read more about what's going on via Axios by clicking the link inside of this week's podcast. That, of course, the podcast is week ending November the 2nd, 2019 at thisistheconversation.com. Number three story this week is Gilmore Girls and Supernatural star Jared Padalecki, apologies for butchering that, arrested and charged with assault. BuzzFeed News picking this one up as well. I'll give you a quick rundown on this one because it gets a little squirrely, but posted on Tuesday, the 29th of October, it gets a bumper response of 1.17%. This one you guys really got into quickly and made sure it stayed near the top. Now, basically, he got into a fight. And he got arrested at his own bar. There you go. You might want to read this one by going to uh, the link for this week's podcast and go deeper into the issue. But this is one where there was some sort of scuffle, but he was picked up at the bar he owns because this is what happened. He got released pretty quickly on bail. I'm not sure. I'm not really a fan of Supernatural. And I, well, I'm not a fan of Gilmore Girls either. So I'm not sure if he was the, the bad boy character in either of these shows. But uh, apparently you guys love y'all some Jared and love this story. And it obviously stayed quite a bit at the top for the most of the week. Let's move on to the story at the number two spot right now. And this is your headline. America has 40 million pounds of uneaten bacon, highest in 48 years. 
Tuesday, the 29th of October. This one was posted as well. This story gets a bump in response of 7.34% from the two, from the three story. And yes, it is that important. And our source for this happens to be USA Today. So because of the weight of this, I need to best, you definitely have to read you some lines from this story. America is sitting on an excess stock of bacon to the tune of over 40 million pounds. Data released by the U.S. Department of Agriculture last Tuesday showed that the amount of pork belly, the cut of meat used to make bacon, stored in public, private, and semi-private refrigerated warehouses reached a new record high of 40 million pounds at the end of September, the highest in 48 years. It's slightly down from the months of August, which showed 45 million pounds of reserves, but a whole the increased pork stored in the warehouses in the past few months hasn't reached this level since 1971 when 50 million pounds of bacon were stored. The pig herd, per Bloomberg, is at 77.7 million heads. Bloomberg reports that the production of pork accelerated during the summer due to increased imports from China, whose pork supply has suffered from an outbreak of African swine fever. Man for pork belly is hysterically domestic, while other cuts of pork are more popular internationally. But as the trend for exporting pork to China continues this rate continues at this rate, the bacon excess may stabilize, per Bloomberg. So there you have it. Are you ready to get on the stick and eat some of this bacon? Now, granted, uh, it's it's more complicated than just go frying up bacon, but it is a bit less complicated than. Why does bacon cost so much if there's so much of, of a glut in the warehouses? I've actually worked in a ag culture, agriculture uh, center, ag news, and understand the ups and downs of pork bellies and rice and the, the raw goods that go into our foods and supplies like that. And it's an interesting thing to watch it. But biggest issue you get from this is trade war means we're sending less pork to China. Uh, less pork means more pork in general hanging out which means more of the pork belly sitting in the warehouses with everything else, more excess bacon. America, we need to get to work. Oh, and I failed to acknowledge that that number two story on the bacon, bacon overage, if you can call it that, is the number one Facebook respondent story of the week. Now, the stats were the number one story of the week. This is also a super story, but the combination turned it from a number one story to a definite number one story. This one is the number one Twitter story for the week. Uh, it spanned two days from a Tuesday to Wednesday from the 29th to the 30th this week, but it was a really big thing that actually took over in about 18 to 20 hours, not even a full day. It gets a bump in response from the number two story of 58.99% from the number 10 story this week, which was the story on Disney locking down the movies owned by Fox of 242%. And the almost relevant story this week, story number 203, which we'll tell you about what it is in the next segment. It is more responsive than that one by 44,100%. Your headline that we're going with as number one for this week, Deadspin staff resigns in mass amid revolt over sports-only policy. This whole thing started for us when we posted about Barry Pachetsky, the editor, being fired uh, because of some complaining about that sports-only policy and then having all his writers do nothing but post old stories that were not sports-related but very popular. He got fired, the union got into it, and the, the bulk of the staff just basically left. Uh, the write-up that I'm going to read you from is from uh, the Daily Beast, and this thing got written up all over places. Many people... Already upset with the changes and policies from the ownership 
of Deadspin and how they were taking their editorial rights and throwing them in the trash. Deadspin staff resigned en masse on Wednesday following a public clash with top leaders at the site's new parent company, G.O. Media. The staff's top editors and writers shared on Twitter late Wednesday that they were leaving the sports and culture website after the company mandated that the site no longer cover topics unrelated to sports. In a statement to Daily Beast, a company spokesperson said G.O. was, quote, Sorry that they couldn't work within the incredibly broad coverage mandate. We're excited about Deadspin's future and we'll have some important updates in coming days. End of the quote there. The resignations came just a day after the site fired a top editor for refusing to hew to GO's mandate to cover exclusively the topics related to sports. A break from the site's freewheeling editorial culture, which often prides itself on sports content. So there you have it. And what little commentary I'll give on this one is because uh, it's basically it's the commentary is tired and done. But this is an issue that that I'm even facing as I do this thing right here. What how much coverage can you give to other things? How much editorial right do you have to do stuff? And Deadspin, a blog which has its own issues with things and issues with the parent company uh, previously, Gawker Media, that had to relinquish it. Uh, has an issue with the right freedom of speech, the right to say what you want to say, and the ability to have so many creative and very talented writers who can cover more than just sports in very, very detail and very great, great journalism, to be honest. These are all good writers and writers I'm a bit I'm more than a bit jealous of who have a chance to talk about sports and talk about sports in a funny and sometimes a uh, very, very sarcastic way without being as snarky and being as dirty as some of the other boys who are basically being being boys, just basically being people who are stuck up and just have a chance to run around because of the Internet and the free willing dealing there that's out there. That's been offered up very good coverage on a very a, a mass amount of great stories and putting a really, really good spin onto things that aren't necessarily sports related on purpose showing that people who are digging into the sports pages really are smart enough to take on bigger issues and that's the problem and because their parent company second or third parent company based on how you count them is a little scared of some backlash here or there especially when they're dealing with stuff that's actually real life stuff a lot of it really political because it's really easy to jump on political stuff these days it's a problem Free speech is a problem. Paid speech, per se, being paid to give speech is an issue because making those dollars are harder to do without the support of the big corporate overlords. And the corporate overlords aren't all that keen on letting the peons have their full say on things. So this is a sad day, a bunch of days in journalism. Even though Deadspin may or may not be your cup of tea or what you think is real journalism, having another great voice silence is not a good thing. Having more people out of gigs, even though they are voluntary, voluntary because of what happened, it's not a good thing. What we're seeing in coverage of everything, overpartisan, over crazy, overhyped, not a good thing. Godspeed to the guys working at Deadspin, and hopefully uh, we'll see them out there hired by some other great teams, other great places that are also willing to pay great team, great money for those great places. 
In a minute, we'll get to the almost relevant story of the week, and we'll do our shout-outs, including our Patreon shout-outs. Shout-outs to the folks who gave us extra love by giving us a little extra money this last month. Here on the weekly wrap-up show from This is a Conversation with me, Jacob and Payne. This is for the week ending November the 2nd, 2019. The Conversation Project is, of course, powered by you. That means it literally is worked by you guys helping to bring in change to make things happen. Keep the lights on, pay for the electrons and the negatrons and all the other trons that make the website and the podcast and the social media stuff, even though that's Twitter and Facebook's problem. Uh, It makes it all go. So you can help us out by directly being a part of the Patreon gang. Go to thisisaconversation.com slash Patreon or Patreon.com slash this is conversation, whichever one floats your boat. You can also check out buymeacoffee.com slash J Cleveland Payne. Send me a few bucks there as well. Or you can just visit one of our sponsors. Or we have sponsors that are in our newsletter, sponsors that are in the website. And we also highlight a sponsor here to ask you to go check them out because they always take good care of you guys. This week, we add a little extra sauce to this spotlight of Cloud9 Living. This is a spotlight sponsor that pops up very often and sticks around in our spotlight state for a while because they do very good work. If you're ready for something different in your vacation, Cloud9 Living has over 2,000 different excursions all over the nation, somewhere near where you are and somewhere near where something you want it to be. The thing that I love about them, though, is the fact that they take good care of you, not only with a great excursion, they take care of you monetarily, money-wise. If you go to our link at thisisaconversation.com slash cloud9, that's number nine, thisisaconversation.com slash cloud9, you can buy a gift certificate. That means you don't have to pick your vacation right now. You can buy a gift certificate and hold it to yourself for whenever you're ready to go or give it to someone else so they can go do what they want to do, whatever they dream of. And the coolest part about it is these gift certificates never lose any monetary value. Unlike going to the big box stores where you get your gift card and after six months, they start taking a couple of dollars off here and there and whatever. They never do that for Cloud9 Living. And let's say you actually pay for, you cash in your gift certificate or buy an outright vacation off the spot and you change your mind, full value shifting from one to the other. You never lose value with what money you go to Cloud9 Living. And if you go to our website and use the link, this is a conversation.com slash Cloud9 and get your gift certificates there, you get an extra 10% off your purchase. So you get money that doesn't go away plus free money. Check it out. This is a conversation.com slash cloud nine living for a great excursion, a great experience, great vacations, something you, you, you can't not guess something you'd want to do that they don't have because they have it all at cloud nine living. As we say, this podcast is powered by you and the power you give me either through just love and showing affection and doing things to actually contributing helps this thing goes along. But the folks who give a little bit to help things really go along, pay the bills, if you will, are a great love to us. So once a month, beginning of the month, we thank the Patreon sponsors in the shout out special, special, extra special, special, special shout outs to them. And starting off with our very first of our number one sponsor, Patreon, who, of course, is Rudy, the world's most dangerous canine. Uh, thank you for Rudy's owner for paying the five bucks a month for that one. 
Also, the folks behind the Rants and Reasons Now Context and Clarity podcast, who I talk about often when we do the podcast shout outs, and they are coming back with a brand new, all new, pretty important context and clarity. Now that we've got some handle on the impeachment thing going, uh, they'll be doing some impeachment talk to explain to us good folks what all that really means in the grand scheme of how, why we complain about so much stuff. Eva Arsano, who popped in a few months ago, helping me out. Someone I met during my time writing over at Medium.com, which I'm back to doing for the moment. Thank you so much, Eva. And hopefully we'll see you back there doing much writing on all the stuff in your travels around the world. And a brand new sponsor for this month or going forward to from, I should say, Rebecca Davis, who I have worked with in uh, broadcasting for quite some time and who is doing some great things and expounding on things that I couldn't even imagine just how great she's doing. So, Rebecca, thanks so much for giving me some love, and you know I got your back and what you have going on. To be a part of the patron love, you've got to pay up, unfortunately. Go to patreon.com slash conversation or thisisconversation.com slash Patreon. It goes either way. You can also send us a little bit via buymeacoffee.com slash Payne. We should add that as well. We'll add that fairly soon as well. Not prepared for it at the moment, unfortunately. So next we're going to go to the Twitter love. Twitter folks who gave us extra notifications, extra love, extra shout outs, if you will. Uh, new following by Darren Clark out there. Also, uh, YMO Toka, who talked a big chunk when we talked about things going on in Japan, you say, in the Emperor and oh, just stuff going on. So a big discussion back and forth there. Emily Williams popping in. Class 5 or Class V, based on how you want to. Antibiotica. Cindy. Hi, Cindy. Thanks, Cindy. Music Bot and Sharon Green. Moving over to the folks over on the Facebook. Facebook love people who liked, loved, shared, and replied. These are usual suspects. The same folks usually show up, and I'm glad for them. Big O, also Ruth Ann Miller, Tony Brown, Daniel Williams. Uh, love coming up this week for also from Peter Thiel, and as well as Mike Brown, a couple Browns in there, and Adele Carnes, Carnes and Tremel White Jr. Thank you guys for showing some love to me this week and keeping me sane as some of the things, uh, especially some of these news items, are somewhat insane going on now let's move on very quickly to the almost irrelevant story of the week we call it that because it's at the very bottom of the list and it usually gets there by being one of the later stories this podcast tracks from friday to friday from friday morning midnight essentially to the friday morning that we record this about 5 a.m and the stories go you know these seven and a half eight days there what you see in that transition is a big swath of stories that come up and usually the stories that get posted on the Thursday before or the Friday morning early don't get a lot of time a lot of traction to gain things we saw a lot of stories this week that were posted on the Friday that lasted all the way through because it had a good start and people kept keeping up with it this week we didn't have such the thing but our story this week at the very bottom is a very old story, if you will, something we posted on Saturday, the 26th of October, that got no love despite being a really, really interesting and important story, especially in looking at what the number one story was and seeing how the Deadspin staff resigned over not being able to cover the news as they wanted to. Here is the headline for story 203 this week. 
NBC Universal offers NDA releases over harassment claims concerns. MSNBC is the source for this one. As we said, we posted on Saturday, the 26th of October, and the reference that you're getting other than the date is that it was 44,100% less responsive than the other stories, despite being something that seemed pretty important. It's also my second week in a row posting the Almost Relevant story as a video, which may be the problem. I, I saw the link someplace I knew the story was, and then I sent it up into our ether that is the social media, and it's not much to engage with other than watching the video. So... You might want to watch the video. The basics of this story, basics, the basic issues of the story is Rachel Maddow had an interview with Rowan Farrell, who is, of course, famous for his parents and famous for kind of being a a little bit too dogged for many people's tastes in his reporting. Uh, His new book came out that's called Catch and Kill, talking about how people that are very powerful are able to get the stories killed before they get published and of course sometimes not necessarily murdered but the issues around them put away it covers a lot of jeffrey epstein stuff covers a whole lot of matt lauer stuff and it covered the issue of him leaving nbc when he had dirt on matt and dirt on jeffrey epstein and he was basically told to squash that story uh rachel Maddow got some confirmation that yes he was told to squash the story and right now a lot of the ndas that were in the issue to keep people from talking about what was happening at at that time, are being released. We will see how that plays out, because this is actually a fairly important thing towards the whole journalism thing. Your mileage may vary on how big of a story it is, but apparently it wasn't that big of an actual story, because it is at the very bottom, the almost irrelevant story for this week. Although, as I like to believe, most of these stories more irrelevant, more relevant than you think. They just don't get a lot of time to gel. Coming up in segment three, the future of segment three, and... Well, I'll get into that in just a bit. This is The Conversation, and we're providing for you the weekly wrap-up show from This is The Conversation. I'm Jay Cleveland Payne, and this is a show for the week ending November the 2nd, 2019. Taylor Zablowski is a man after my own heart. He's a podcast producer in Los Angeles and produces more than one podcast for himself. His podcast site is called podcastgod.net, but we want to talk about one podcast in particular, one specific podcast that he has there. It is called Illiterate, or Illiterate if you want to call it that way, and it is a simple podcast. Every Friday, find out the surprising literally basis for the current news, movies, and pop culture where we skip to the good parts and learn things the easy way. It's a very quick, very easy, and very interesting podcast to get into. Uh, It covers pretty much anything pop culture in a quick book-like way. And it happens to be on where you need to find your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and Podbean. So you can actually see it. I'm a big fan of watching podcasts, if you will, on the YouTube. So that's a great way for me to get into it. It's awesome that way as well. But it goes into history. It goes into stories. It goes into things by going deep into the really, really good parts of the book by skipping all the boring stuff. So you can read about or hear them read about Bird Box, which is, of course, a movie, uh, Old Yeller, Black Klansman, Pride and Prejudice, Watchmen, it's amazing what they get into. So check this one out. It goes into books. It goes into movies. It goes into drama. 
it goes into a lot. Check out all he has going on at podcastgod.net. And of course, the big thing you're looking for is the one on reading the books, which is illiterate, illiterate if you want to. If you're lazy, the links to everything I've talked about is at our website, thisistheconversation.com, and the link for this week's podcast, which is for the week ending November the 2nd, 2019. The link for Illiterate goes directly there. Check him out. Is a part of our PodCross promoting podcast on November. He's in the big list. I'm promoting somebody from that list all month long. This week, we are podcasting, or we are spotlighting Illiterate. So if you love books and story-like movies and hate why it takes a long to get to the good parts check out this podcast we're in the final segment segment number three and if you've been following along for quite some time you've followed transitions of how this podcast goes originally three segments was meant to have the top 10 at first then play the brackets game where we interviewed people and had them pick a story out of the top 10 to talk about and then wrap things up with as much time as we had to fill out to the original 45 minute lockdown time for this podcast we're not so much locked down anymore but there are issues we're trying to get to make this thing a bit more timely a bit more pithy and work some things out so what we're discussing is the need for some of the segments so you actually have some say into anything we don't have the survey made out yet but if you believe we should get rid of some parts of the show or tighten some things up just let us know by emailing us at the conversation inbox at gmail.com uh, we are looking at this third segment and the rounding out the top 15 we're looking at the segment where we do the almost irrelevant story of the week uh, we're trying to make sure that we have some things in there that offer up some sort of context and capture some of the things that aren't in the top 10 so you, we do you know acknowledge that more than just those things happened but if you're looking for some things to for help us from the fat let us know in the meantime at this moment, we're still going to round out the top 15, going through stories 11 through 15, not quite in range, but giving you a little bit of context on how things went down. Number 11 this week is the headline, Tom Brady stayed well after the Patriots-Browns game to have his nine-year-old son meet Odell Beckham Jr. Now, Tom Brady, who I've often mentioned the fact that he left his pregnant supermodel girlfriend to go marry his other pregnant supermodel girlfriend, something apparently I'm the only person that hadn't gotten over with. Uh, he talked about his oldest son, who lives in New York, because that's his old, the other girlfriend and how big of a fan he is of Odell Beckham Jr. How big a fan he was of the Giants and the fact that he was playing this week uh, while he was while Patriots played the Browns. So he's made sure he stayed late after to spend some time with the guy. And he basically spent some good time with the guy. Uh, Odell Beckham seems like less of a head case than we think he is. Tom Brady is he's Tom Brady, but uh, they got along well. They had chat and of course the kids got a chance to hang out with Tom Brady. And the thing is, Tom Brady says, while he likes his kids to wear his jersey, they can root for who they want to. And his oldest is a big Giants fan and loved Odell Beckham back when he was there. Big ups to those guys getting together for that one. Tuesday, the 29th of October, the day we posted that one. On Tuesday, the 29th as well, we posted this update to, well, 
Kelly Clarkson and John Legend re-recorded Baby It's Cold Outside. John Legend and his one of his songwriter contaborators wrote the new lyrics. Kelly Clarkson, who is a newer judge on The Voice, along with John Legend now, uh, did the vocals for it. And the whole point was to make it sound less date rapey. But it also sounds really, 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 really extra cheesy now, if you will. So some people are, I guess, okay with them trying to fix it. And some people just said, well, if we're going to let it die, let it die. This song, which has lyrics that are timely, so timely that the, the times we have right now in the Me Too movement sound a lot like a guy trying to coerce somebody to stay a little later, makes a lot of issues for a lot of people. So it's been banned by many radio stations. I think last year was it when it really got really crazy, if you will, and people really started making a big deal about it. But for years, many shot away from it, and it's been officially banned most times. So as we come on Thanksgiving, we'll see who bans it this year and who plays the new version, the updated versions, the 2019 woke version of Baby It's Cold Outside with Kelly Clarkson and John Legend. AT&T's been doing what it can to stay relevant in the TV age with its services, digital, internet as well, but essentially trying to keep up with the streaming services as well as its TV empire as well. So they dropped the bomb this week. On Tuesday, October 29th, we posted that AT&T revealed the date HBO Max will take on Disney Netflix uh, the 13th story this week. So that means they are officially in the streaming business as long as in the uh, streaming TV business with a streaming service for HBO Max. That's basically the big HBO shows plus some extra content as it will be. It should come down in, in 2025. So the world will see it in a while. It'll take a bit to get there. The price on par with everybody else. Probably, it'll probably be about $15 a month. So for $15 a month, you should be able to catch all your Game of Thrones things in the future and not have to have the bundle of the HBO stuff as well. We'll see how well that works out. HBO, I believe, is something like $45, $50 a month per any service. So for 15 bucks a month to just get the Netflix version of stuff, that is a bargain on its own. Number 14 story this week, an Instagram model who flashed World Series picture claims she did it for breast cancer awareness. This story gets overly and overly complicated as it goes along, and it actually got updated a bit because some places down the line actually had the find or what she said she lost from her loss of whatever, well, I guess she had no shame to begin with. We posted this story on Monday, the 28th of October. So that's when it went down for you guys and went to it. Fox News was the source that we pulled from, oddly enough. But her name, Lauren Summer, uh, is a brand executive of the X-rated digital magazine Shag Mag. And she hoped to raise awareness about breast cancer by joining company with CEO Julie Rose in flashing Houston Astros pitcher Garrett Cole during Game 5 of the series on Sunday nights. They did it for awareness, but what's happened along the lines is they got shamed, they got called out, they got pitified, and they've lost some money, some big chunks of money. I think it's somewhere around $8 million or something, but there's a few. There's a further story somewhere down the line that really wasn't worth adding for a super story, but it's because it just wasn't going to rank in there. But these things happen, so you know the future of these things or the present of these things or just how stupid some people are. And this last story is one that hovered in the range of near the countdowns for the week. We have a newsletter that comes on every day, Monday through Friday, Monday through Thursday, I should say, uh, that goes over the top eight stories. The Monday version goes over state stories from Friday to Sunday, and the rest of them go from the day prior, like so Monday to Tuesday on there and to Thursday. 
And this is a story that was posted. We posted on Tuesday, the 29th again. And this is one that hovered very much near the range of almost there. And it was just so into it. I wanted it to be there, but it wasn't. Uh, Here's the headline. The headline basically tells it all. 84-year-old man who tried to burn a mosque says he did it to avenge the destruction of Notre Dame Cathedral. Yeah, that happened. We sourced it from the Daily Mail. The man's name is Claude Sinke. Uh, He tried to burn down a mosque in uh, Bayonne uh, because, you know, he's French. And the French love their Notre Dame. And Notre Dame, I should say. And he wanted to avenge the Notre Dame. So he tried to burn down a mosque and try to make it all even. Didn't work out so great for him, but it made it into the countdown to the very tail end. Remember, we talked about the Keystone Pipeline leaking in North Dakota. We will see, or you can see more details from the story. We linked to it, not quite in range to talk about in detail, so... I'm sorry about that, but you can see more about it by going to the website and seeing all the stories we talked about today. The links are at thisistheconversation.com for the show for this week, week ending November the 2nd, 2019. You can get your say into any of these stories. Tell us what we should be talking about by simply following us on the Facebook or the Twitter or Instagram as well. On Instagram, look for This Is A Conversation and make sure we are a primary source into your feed. On Twitter, it's TH underscore conversation. And every hour or so, every 50 minutes or so, you'll see a new post, a new story coming into your feed as you're checking out the things. As you see them, engage with the links. And the more you engage with the links, the higher the score goes up into our total score for the week. And you see what stories go to the very top and what story is usually at the very bottom. It's that simple. You want to talk about anything we talked about in the show or anything in general, you can email us at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. And you can check out my main website, which is jclevenpain.net for all other things going on with me. Although it's not very well kept up, we do our best to do what we can. So otherwise, you can email me at the show here and we talk about that as well. As we said, this thing is powered by you. So make sure you are helping keep things powered. Patreon.com slash this conversation or buymeacoffee.com slash jclevenpain is our ways to actually pay into the deal. Check out the sponsors of the website and definitely check out our sponsor this week that we're spotlighting, which is Cloud9 Living. This is the conversation.com slash cloud nine. Add a new podcast to your life. Try out illiterate podcastgod.net slash I L L I T E R A T E. That's illiterate. And check out what's going on and see if that's one you should add to your feed as well. And make sure that we are in your feed so you're not missing out on us every single week. It comes down very simply through the magic of RSS feeds and web streaming. Go to our website, thisistheconversation.com, and click the link for subscribe and find out where we are if you're not in your podcatcher, although we're pretty much anywhere that your podcatcher wants to be, and put us in there and set us up. In fact, we need you to help spread the word this way. So find some friends, find some neighbors, find some enemies, talk to random people on the street and subscribe to the podcast. Like literally take their phones and subscribe to the podcast and hand it back to them. They always say thank you. Trust me, they always do. This is where I say thank you lots of times and try to wrap it up. So here we go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of the conversation. These are the stories that you said are the most conversational from people around the world. This is a worldwide reaching podcast. I have trouble with my W's and this is why we do this so that we can hear what people really think about. And this week, it wasn't a big Trump week. I'm pretty happy about that. Let's see what happens next week with the stories that you say. Yes, you say are the tops. As say you, I tell them. I don't make them up. I don't talk about anything other than what you want to talk about. 
and you'll let me know in the next eight days as you count down the stories or I'll count the stories that you write up in our social media from This Is A Conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for the show. Another great show coming up next week.